Alrighty. It is Happy St. Patty's Day, and it is the Wayne Cueto Show Wednesday. And we are just days, even hours, from the big dance, the NCAA tournament, something we missed out on completely last year. And we're going to... We're going to break it all down, the NCAA tournament, the big dance. We've been waiting for it for a year. We were blanked out last year. No tournaments, uh, no huge calls, and uh, Iron Eagle at the buzzer beaters. But this year, we got it back. So we're going to talk March Madness. We're going to bring on uh, Brian McGinnis of the Honolulu Star Advertiser, or formerly of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. You might have remembered him from the Honolulu Star Advertiser. Um, but he is now uh, running a successful podcast called Court Sense. And, um, you know, he provides such a great perspective as someone that was so close to the Hawaii men's basketball team. As you see, I'm sporting the UH men's basketball jersey. I was there this past week in Las Vegas. If you remember, we brought on uh, director of Ops, Jesse Nakanishi from the men's basketball team to talk about the Bows as they, um, you know, began uh, what would, what looked like could possibly be a strong tournament run. They're coming off some big wins. They are seeming to gel together as a team. And then it was more of what we've seen in recent years a first round exit for the bows and it's not easy uh being green sometimes because uh it's painful to to see it happen again and and brian mcginnis as we bring him on and he shares some of his perspective um 42 and 40 um, is a stat he brought he brings up that's coach aranganat's conference record and um, and that's been since the 2016 miracle season, you know, when we got to go to the big dance. And that's why those are the photos I have. If you're watching the live stream right now on Facebook or watching YouTube, you see a photo of me. That is just literally seconds um, after the buzzer went off and Hawaii beats Cal in 2016. In the first round of the NCAA tournament in Spokane, Washington. It was amazing to be there. As a kid, I always wanted to be there. I know in Hawaii, um, 93. So we're going to go back in time. So from my lifetime, you know, Hawaii going to the NCAA tournament, they did it uh, with Trevor Ruffin winning the WAC tournament in, oh, God, I'm pretty sure it was 93, 93, 94 season. Or maybe it was 92, 93 season. Maybe it was 93, 94. Uh, anyways, um, I'll never forget him standing on uh, the sideline, Trevor Ruffin, that is. And then after... Um, you know, Hawaii exited that first year losing to Syracuse in the first round. And then we had to wait until 2001. Hawaii wins and does it again in 2002 to face Xavier. And I was there in 2002 at the the tournament, the WAC tournament in Tulsa. I was 19. I was a teenager by myself. It was crazy. And I got to see Hawaii advance. And then 14 years later, I was there at the Honda Center with my family and friends to see Hawaii advance to the 2016 tournament, beating Long Beach State in the Big West Championship, and then beating Cal, um, and uh, being able to advance to play Maryland in the round of 32. So if you see it, the other photo I have up, that is um, just a monitor in the Spokane Arena in the con on the concourse that says 2018 or 2016 NCAA Division One Men's Tournament Basketball Championship, Maryland versus Hawaii, and then Oregon played uh, St. John's uh, or St. Joseph's right after that. So that was a doubleheader that night. That was so cool to be there. I love being there. I love being at every sporting event, obviously, but being at the big, the big dance is really cool. It's another one of those transcendent games or tournaments where, you know, the the aura of the game um, rises above, um, you know, the game itself because there's so much history in the in March Madness. There's so much history linked um to these games and linked to um you know the success of athletes who have played we think of people like steph curry taking davidson of all teams davidson right um taking them deep making a deep run with them we think about all of these games in our memories that um you know are etched there forever and we saw them happen on that sacred ncaa tournament court one team um, goes on a run and can win it and win the entire tournament. And it's one of those things that 
I'm just waiting for Hawaii to get back into it. I mean, when Hawaii, when, 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 when are we going to do this again? Uh, it's been hard. Another year where we are stuck at home wondering. Um, but uh, Justin, actually, mahalo for joining us. Justin, uh, he already asked a question. My thoughts on the portal jumps by recent players. And I'm going to talk about that because we did bring up the Justin Webster incident with, um, or I shouldn't say incident, Justin Webster, who uh, co-captain of this past year's UH men's basketball team, a true sophomore, um, was thrust into a leadership position, a big position, a major position on the team, not just... Um, you know, uh, someone who has to score or touch the ball, but somebody who has a leadership role. And it seems like he forsake that or he forsook his role, his mantle. And Brian McGinnis talks about this. He calls it the mantle. And it's true because we saw Drew Bugsier before that do the same thing. And it, it makes you wonder if we're, if, what is the connection? Is it just wins and losses? Being wins and losses, that's easy, right? And, you know, kids can be fickle. I'm not saying that it's, it's always justifiable to jump into the transfer portal. Obviously, the transfer portal is there as a way for student athletes who don't feel happy in their current situations to be able to, you know, go go and make a, a late decision, a later decision. And I, I don't blame kids. You know, it's hard leaving high school and thinking that you ought to choose one place for the rest of your college. And a lot of us and most of us have just picked a place and bit down and dealt with it, right? And that's not how kids are today today they can go to college and they can feel like well if it doesn't work out or i don't like the situation i can move on so with that being said i do feel that way a lot of times about all the, any transfer did i have problems with my own college coach uh, definitely or did i have issues with the way that you know everybody does in their individual programs but you have to be able to um you know, take it one year at a time and move on to the next year and, and try and grow the program as best as you can under your own um, talent and with your own desire. And Justin Webster was given that opportunity as a captain and has decided to move on. So I think it could be linked to Coach Gannat. I think it could. And I love Coach Gannat. And I say that in a way that is not too... Um, you know, talk about the man himself, but his record and his his um, his recent uh, lack of success, we'll say, or mediocrity. Um, it's hard to go to the tournament every year. And we brought Coach Nakanishi on last week, and you know, I asked him point blank. You know, what is it this past couple of years? What is it that has kept a team from getting past the first round? It's it's, it's frustrating. Um, I was there in Vegas. If you saw a photo. Um, you know, I wasn't able to get into the game, but I was there with my gang, with Fuchsia, of course, and Kelly also came in and we saw Coach Norm Chow. So if you go back and see a picture with me and Norm Chow and Fuchsia and Kelly, that was my experience in the Big West tournament because the men lose on day one, the women go down the next day, and the women I thought had a pretty good chance, but the women, I think, um, they showed some fight and they um, have a bright future. Lots of true freshmen, lots of newbies. So I'm excited about that team. But <sighs> where do we start with this UH men's basketball team? It's like we're starting from scratch all over again, and that's not easy. Grant says, aloha. Aloha, Grant. Um, yes, bless. I saw the photo. Wish I could have been there. I'm glad you saw the photo. If you see our photo, um, it was there on HI Sports Fans on Twitter, HI Sports Fans on Instagram. Um, you're watching, if you're on Facebook right now, Facebook Live, um, Hawaii Sports Fans. Make sure you like and follow us and also join our mailing list at hisportsfans.com. If you do those things, you'll be entered into, um, or you can enter into our, our tournament challenge. So I'm going to plug that as well. I have the link in the description for whatever you're watching. You're watching the live or you're watching this on podcast. I have a link to... Um, the ESPN tournament. We're going to use ESPN as a platform and you can win a Hawaii sports fans prize pack. So I think there'll probably be a hat in there, maybe a shirt, maybe some other things. Um, but we got, uh, we got several over a dozen people, 15, maybe we're trying to get 20. Who knows how many people will get in there. All it takes is following us on social media, at least two of our social media sites and also joining our mailing list. So I know on, on file who you are. Um, and you can be verified as the winner. And so make sure you do that. And then you can fill out your bracket because we're going to talk brackets um, uh, with Brian McInnes, who I, I just had a chance to interview. And I'll talk about um, you know some of those early upsets. So today I shared 
on the Hawaii Sports Fans social media to speak of that. Uh, a image showing the 611 games because I heard a pretty cool stat about 611 games because in the last four years, so this is in the last four years, obviously the NCAA tournament has been along for a while. Um, uh, the 11 seeds have been nine and seven against the six seeds. So we might see a couple 11 seeds make it through and uh, we have four of them playing in the first four tomorrow and they're the at-large first four teams. And since that started 10 years ago, the first four, those at-large teams, either 11, 12, or 13, I believe, have um, actually made it onto the round of 32 or past. So if you're looking at some of those 11 seed teams playing tomorrow, you got UCLA playing, you got Michigan State. That's crazy, right? You usually don't see those teams as 11 seeds. You also got uh, Drake and Wichita State. Drake has a great record. Uh, Wichita State, another one of those teams. Um, in the Midwest that can, you know, has basketball history. So those would be great games to watch. So thinking about those things um, when you go into your bracket. Uh, Justin says, I think Gannat is definitely on the hot seat. And uh, we talk about that with Brian McInnes. And actually, I'll let Brian explain, but the contract situation might be what um, could be tied up. Grant says, I can't find the ESPN link on Twitter. Well, if you look on one of the latest posts, it'll say, and if you look in the description of this very video, you're watching this live video, and mahalo for joining us live every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Hawaii time. And if you're on the mainland, you have sprung forward an hour or so. The West Coast is now 8 p.m. start. Uh, Mountain, 9 p.m. Central, 10 p.m. 11 p.m. on the East Coast. And our friend Joanna Souza, I don't know if she's going to log on tonight because I know she's celebrating St. Patty's Day uh, because, you know, that Boston tradition of celebrating St. Patty's Day, even in the year of COVID. I ain't ever going to die. Um, and, you know, America people really love them some St. Patty's Day action. So that's going to be happening all over the place. Um, and, you know, everybody out there, just be safe. If you're going to drink your green beer or Guinness or whatever, take a shot of... Um, um, you know, whatever you want to take this year, um, make sure you do it safely and, um, you know, uh, save some for, I'm just kidding. Uh, make sure that, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you celebrate because we'll be back in the stands soon. And I'm excited about that. Hopefully this is the last St. Patty's day that you'll have to be spending in, uh, the confines of your own home. If you got a vaccine, that's great as well. Get that vaccine. I'm, on board to get my second shot soon. So I already got my first vaccine last week, Thursday, before I went to the Big West. Um, it's kind of exciting. Uh, I got the Pfizer vaccine, and I think that's going to be really a passport um, to getting into a lot of games this year is having that vaccine. And um, I know it might seem intrusive to some people like thinking, oh, wow, I have to have a vaccine, but that's really the way that they're going to have to do it. I mean, I, I other than – and the biggest issue is that the spacing – and the mask wearing, which is effective, very effective, extremely effective to have mask wearing and spacing in the stands. Um, it doesn't maximize uh, revenue for teams if they cannot sell basically 80% of their seats. And so uh, one way that they're going to ensure um, that they'll be able to have people in the seats is by ensuring vaccination. So. I know um, some some uh, in California where I got my vaccination, they're having a um, online like digital medical database that is holding our names and our statuses and what vaccines we got. So I imagine that those type of third party um, companies, you know, whether it be testing companies or Qualtrics or whatever these companies that take, you know, blood from your arm and test you they'll store information that they can pass on to Ticketmaster or whatever to sell tickets i mean i think we might get to that level um and i know it's hard because i know a lot of people there are uh, several people that still don't want to either have no intention on taking um the vaccine or are wary of taking it but i really believe that it's a safe vaccine of course i talk about dr albertson go back and look at that video i've had of him with me talking about this being one of the best vaccines um, and that is probably what is going to be, uh, you know, um, what's going to happen for next year, next fall. And I'm, I mean, I'm excited because next fall we already have some tours planned. Obviously, we have uh, that UCLA tour. So hopefully I'll be able to have um, 
some, you know, more concrete details because I got Dodgers, we got Angels versus Yankees. We also got hopefully a game at SoFi Stadium, a preseason NFL game. So you got to be on the lookout for that. Uh, we also got games at Oregon State and, of course, in Las Vegas. So we're going to have tours there. Um, and also have opportunities. If you are a company or if you're looking to sponsor, I have great sponsorship opportunities, which include some of these wonderful tours and some great perks. So um, I think if, you, if you're interested and you can have your logo right here on the show and on the website as a partner, uh, reach out info at hisportsfans.com. Reach out to me info at hisportsfans.com and go check it out. Hisportsfans, hisportsfanshighsportsfans.com. However you say it, um, look at some of our past tours and just some of the amazing places that we've been and some of the great uh, stories that we've we've made along the way. Uh, Robert, I see him commenting. He's been on several tours and. I know he's itching to get back out there. He's about to be vaccinated, and he'll be out there on the road again soon. So we're really excited, and I expect tours <clears throat> to be more as popular than ever. Um, Ryan, uh, Robert does comment, my Cinderella is a five seed. Can you be a Cinderella at a five seed? Uh, uh, I guess if you win the national championship, right? I don't know. Uh, UConn won it as what, a seven seed. Uh, recently so we've had high seeds win the the championship and they're kind of cinderella-ish but it's kind of hard if you're a cinderella i feel like you also have to be like a non-major program to be cinderella like if michigan state makes it to the final four as a as a 11 seed it's going to be hard to call them cinderella i mean they're literally michigan state a team that makes it there all the time but with that being said, I'm going to uh, bring on Brian's interview and um, give you guys a good chance to be able to hear uh, from the guy himself, former star advertiser, beat writer. He's going to talk about the Hawaii men's basketball situation, talk about the tournament, and just um, you know bring us some interesting tidbits before we get into the serious bracket final drafts because there's only gonna be one I'm, I'm all about the one bracket by the way i'm a one bracket person so hopefully your one bracket is there at in the in the hawaii sports fans challenge so make sure you sign up but here is brian Boom. all right i got brian mcginnis in the house with me brian um a pleasure to have you here and aloha welcome to the show thanks wayne much appreciated man so you've been all over the place. I know a lot of us uh, will associate you with uh, your time at the paper, Honolulu Star Advertiser. And, um, you know, as everybody knows, there have been a, a series of COVID-related and just kind of um, societal-related maybe cuts to papers. And it's the difficulty of that business, but you've been, you've managed to thrive in, in many different ways and, and still also in your journalism as well. And just talk about some of the things you're doing these days. Yeah, uh, it was a, uh, a tough time uh, for the paper, no doubt about it. Once um, you know, COVID happened, and um, our sports department got scattered to the wind at the time. A um, bunch of guys like Billy Hole and myself got reassigned to being more like uh, mm -hmm. in, in the web internet okay. uh, role of of the Star Advertiser team, and uh, you know that was fine for several months, and then. Um, you know, word got passed down from management that we'd have some layoffs. Uh, it ended up actually being uh, quite a few uh, fewer layoffs than they had originally projected. But I was kind of right on the cut line, and um, I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to kind of use this opportunity to, to try to grab onto a fresh start somewhere. And uh, I did. And a few months later, I landed at Pacific Business News. And ever since then, I've been a business reporter for the last three months or so. And what is that? Uh, ex what what is that experience like for you there at Pacific Business News? <laughs> Different, man. It, you know, it's been quite quite a learning experience. Uh, I went into it fully aware that I had not previously reported on business for the Star Advertiser or, or elsewhere. So, um, yeah, you know, kind of embracing that I didn't know what I didn't know, so to mm -hmm. speak, and um, going into it with both both eyes wide open, and uh, you know, just because you. The, the sports, you know, uh, yearly, it's very cyclical, you know, mm -hmm. like you have your season, yeah. your off season, uh, you know, when to expect, uh, to be covering recruiting, you know, when, uh, the preseason practices are happening, the, the throws of in-season practices, that grind, mm -hmm. so to speak, it's very cyclical in that way. I, I think I was maybe ready for, for something different mm -hmm. just in terms of, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, learning different rhythms of, of some other aspect of yeah. writing. My <laughs> writing is still my passion, of course, of course. So that's why I got into the business, but now just writing about a little bit different subject matter. Uh, I don't want to assume, but you know, a last name like McGinnis and just, you know, certain features of <laughs> yours. So I have to guess, wish you a happy St. Patty's day, but is that a tradition in the McGinnis uh, household? Um, of sorts like yeah i mean uh i am irish and scottish so uh, you know i'd be doing my heritage a disservice if i didn't uh throw back a, a guinness or two uh today or maybe this week we'll turn it into like a week-long event but uh yeah man no um you know still kind of not going out too much with yeah, things being as course. they are but but i might might get on a zoom or two and you know have throw some back with, with some buddies <laughs> well i know um for you like you talked about the cycle in march last year our march was totally thrown off um and you know it, it hit a lot of basketball fans and i know um you know for you in particular just your connection to college basketball and uh and having the season just cut short at the big west tournament and then having the ncaa tournament taken away from us um you know what what have been your observations in this year of um, you know, unique circumstances and unprecedented times as much as we use that term. Yeah, no, it's been used a lot and probably, you know, justifiably mm -hmm. so because of just how wild it's been on a number of different fronts. But, um, yeah, call it just college basketball wise, man. Um, you know, I, I wasn't up there. I was not up there in Anaheim when, when everything got shut down last year, really suddenly. Um, I, you know, I heard about it. I, I read about it kind of like everyone else back here mm -hmm. uh, because I was not, I was no longer covering uh, the ah. basketball beat at that point. I was oh, kind okay. of the whole Hawaii warrior world general ah, UH sports coverage guy, okay. um, mostly for, for events that would take place at home mm -hmm. uh, from sport to sport. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, yeah, it was shocking. It was stunning. Um, I could only imagine what was going through the minds of some of those players and coaches. I've had a chance to speak with some of them on my, my pod, my pod sense court sense um, since that time. And it's been one of the, the you know, things I, I kind of asked the most like mm -hmm. that day because it was so wild and unexpected and, and just the sudden uh, su sudden, you know, nature of, mm -hmm. of what, what took place, it, nothing like it. So uh, this whole past year has been, you know, unique has been overused, but uh, it's been its own just wild experience to cover from uh, even, even in, circumstances like mine where i'm helping out on the 14 20 a.m espn honolulu pregame show mm -hmm. with gary dickman that's kind of what i did this this past year they asked mm -hmm. me to help out with that and i was happy to and um yeah talking to these guys on the phone former players and uh hearing their experiences like how they might handle this situation and then uh talking to a couple of the current team guys on my podcast mm -hmm. uh Kasten jardine and um, uh justin webster who's now now a former member of the yeah. team uh, hearing how they were handling the, the, the week in, week out, COVID tests, uncertainty, whether they're actually going to play that week. Uh, just I wanted to be kind of able to document some of that because I don't mm -hmm. think we're gonna, ever going to really yeah. see this again, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, we probably won't. And, um, you know, something about this um, UH basketball team as well, and let's, talk, let's just start there because you are so familiar with them. I was able to catch, um, first of all, your Justin Webster interview and your Dayton Morinaga interview, which were great for, especially for UH basketball fans. So if anybody hasn't caught those yet, your Court Sense, it's the Court Sense podcast. Yeah, um, thank you. And um, definitely check that out. And what I, uh, you know, um, stood out for me, you know, with the Justin Webster, for, for one thing, because Justin Webster, he's a guy that comes in last year as a true freshman, doesn't get much time. But this year, you know, guys leaving, guys holding out. He gets thrust into a leadership role. He seems to really grasp this role and excited about this role. Um, but now hearing that he leaves the team and going back and hearing the interview, um, I hear a lot about, you know, <laughs> my parents, my dad and Jesus and praying and that's all that stuff and whatever. But I didn't know if I, I didn't know if I he could hear too much about, hey, I'm thinking about leaving it. But, you know, now that you've seen him, you know, from the beginning to the very end, uh, let's talk about his decision as a captain as well to leave uh, the program. Yeah, I mean, he, he was a young co-captain, just a sophomore. That basically never happens that a player that young, you know, maybe a third-year sophomore who's redshirted, but, and even that would be uncommon, for a second-year guy uh, 
coming straight out of prep school to you know get that kind of responsibility very unusual mm-hmm. and in his case i would say probably warranted given the fact that how much turnover they had on that team and uh, you know you lose a guy like drew bugs you're looking for somebody to step up in a leadership perspective mm-hmm. and and he was that guy for them along with kaz jardine who yeah. Uh, we're also not expecting to come back based on what he said on, on senior night as a, you know, he came in as a senior, even though he's now still eligible based on the NCAA's extension of eligibility for everyone. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. so yeah, UH is looking at a total uh, overhaul in terms of its team leadership. And in Justin Webster's case, um, you know, it's, I guess it's mildly surprising. I've been hearing some rumblings mm-hmm. kind of late in the season that maybe he'd be a candidate who'd be looking to go to the transfer portal. Um, that was all kind of third hand through the grapevine kind of, you know, mm-hmm. talk that I had been hearing. Uh, but still for him to actually be the first guy out the door was a little surprising. And, yeah. um, you know, that's the second year in a row that UH has had one of its team leaders, uh, captains yeah. kind of, you know, f- forsake that, that mantle and then, mm-hmm. you know, decide to kind of say aloha basically to, to coach Gannat and uh, their teammates on the islands. So, uh, of course, Drew Bugs being the the one incident last year that mm-hmm. I was referring to him mm-hmm. going to Missouri. So yeah. So Justin Webster, yeah, you know, not having spoken to him, I did see his message message that he put out on Twitter. Yeah. Um, at, you know, consulting with his parents and then things of that nature. Uh, I I probably have to go back and listen way to that podcast to kind of maybe see if I can pick <laughs> out some nuggets of yeah. you know things that maybe would have foreshadowed that based on talking about his parents or and something like that, but. Uh, hey, I mean, UH goes 500 and one and done again in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be simplistic to say that if they had more success, if they made a tournament run, that might have been something that maybe could have enticed him to stay in this age of mm-hmm. players looking for any kind of upward mobility situation in college hoops. Um, so that said, uh, it, it, that was a tough loss for Hawaii. Now, Coach Kanad is, uh, first of all, somebody I respect a lot, um, someone that. You know, I had a very similar experience to me when to play at a small college in the East Coast and, you know, uh, comes from a, a, a kind of that pedigree and made his way up the ranks. And somebody I respect for also his social justice initiatives and his views. Um, with that being said, obviously, that is not what coaches a team to success all the time. And um, Coach Gannat has, it seems like, been in... A little bit of uh, precarious circumstances offseason with whether his contract would be renewed or whatever. Um, but it seems like this year, like you said, once again, the team, a first-round exit, ev- again, since, you know, uh, every year since the, the team went to the tournament, the NCAA tournament. Um, and, and you even, your some of your tweets are just revelatory of, or rev- of, of some of Ganat's stats compared, you know, historically to give us perspective as, to really how kind of like how he's been trending. Um, but I guess that's all a long winded way of saying, like, do you see um, Coach Gannat, you know, coming back next year? Or do you see the UH standards of the program as well? And this is kind of a loaded question, but is it, you know, just the program and the expectations have changed perhaps maybe as well? Well, the first part of that, Wayne, uh, you know, he's not going anywhere. Uh, he's got, He's gotten an extension mm-hmm. on his contract almost every offseason since he's been here. Mm-hmm. Um, so Coach Gannat, you know, has – he's banked like a few years ahead of this already. And uh, I think it could be 2025, you know, not having the paperwork, uh, the contract language mm-hmm. in front of me. Yeah. I think he might be good till like 2025. So he's pretty set from that standpoint. Um, you know, as far as just how things have been trending, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I put the numbers out there – 42 and 40 in, in the Big West regular season since that that magical first year where he yeah. uh, came in and and uh, took the team that mostly was intact from the you know previous regime or two mm-hmm. and had great success with those guys and you still have to give Coach Gannat a lot of credit for yeah. the success they had that year based on all the turmoil that was going mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. based on him just being able to apply a steady hand at the wheel which is what that team needed and yeah. he brought in a couple key guys like Saitumala yeah. Um, since that time, I think the, the recruiting uh, returns have been um, maybe mixed at best. Uh, there, there's been a couple of first-team guys like Noah Allen that ensuing year when they were under the tournament sanctions for most of that season. Uh, and then Eddie Stansbury was a good pickup. He made Big West first team um, in the last season when they you know couldn't even play in the tournament. So yeah. um, since that – but just over that five-year span, Wayne, it's – yeah, it's been a little – Recruiting's been a bit spotty. I would, I think that's fair to say. And 
Um, I think some folks are, are getting restless. That's kind of the, the pulse I've taken on a lot of people. And, um, you know, they, they've just kind of been mired in that mold of 500 and one and done, like I said. And mm-hmm. um, they're going to have to find some way to shake themselves out of it because I think the, the seat's getting a little warm from that standpoint. Well, and then you look at a program like UC Riverside. I mean, they have a Filipino coach. They have a coach from that program that was promised all of these, you know, Australian, New Zealand players. And he has like nine on his team. So I think like that was the expectation, right, for us as well. Like he'd come from the St. Mary's program. And I mean, be a guy that was as representative. Of course, at Hawaii, we always want a coach as representative of our program, of our state understands and embraces us and Gibb was that in a lot of ways obviously a Punahou graduate and somebody that grew up here um and coach Kanad having served under coach Riley Wallace as well but um you know looking at just uh the numbers alone and like you said the contract language is it fair to say though too that since the team transitioned from the WAC um, and into the Big West years, has expect, have expectations changed? I mean, I, I went into the Big West thinking we would be winning uh, at a pretty high clip of, you know, tournament, making tournament runs. And, you know, I've been shocked that we only won once in 10 years in Penn Drive. No, I don't think you're alone. Um, I think there was an expectation uh, not only at UH, but maybe even around the Big West that mm-hmm. Hawaii would do some damage when it entered the league in 2012. Uh, coming from the WAC, albeit not the WAC at its peak, mm-hmm. you know, you, you didn't have the era of BYU, New Mexico, of uh, you know, Wyoming, um, that generation of WAC. It was, you know, the, the WAC that was falling apart with, with, you know, Fresno going out the door, Nevada mm-hmm. going out the door, mm-hmm. Utah State joining the Mountain West. And um, Hawaii needed to do something, and it, it was the best possible circumstance for him, for them to join the Big West. And like I said, there was an expectation, you know, that Hawaii would be able to to uh, really capitalize on on only having to travel to California, uh, you know, n- none of these going to Idaho, uh, Moscow, Idaho, Ruston, yeah. Louisiana, uh, even Logan, Utah was a tough place to go to do it to a respectable opponent. So um, it was maybe a little presumed that UH would fare better on the road than it has in the past, mm. and that they would take care of business at home against the likes of Cal State Northridge, UC. Riverside, UC Davis. Um, instead, we've had uh, we've seen that UC Irvine has been the dominant program in the league, and now UC Santa Barbara is ascendant, having won the regular season and tournament title this year. Yeah. So yeah, Hawaii's kind of uh, been left outside in the cold, so to speak, in that you know middle of the pack mix um, for what seems like kind of a while. And um, yeah, I, I think there's still an opportunity for Hawaii to you know be a top third team in the league. I don't think that's unreasonable to mm-hmm. expect mm-hmm. based on its facilities, based on its, uh, you know, national, yeah. uh, local TV coverage with the, which the other teams in the league don't get, they get yeah. a, a national TV tournament at a home every year, the diamond Head classic. Um, you, you can schedule 20 plus home games in a normal year. Mm-hmm. Something this, the other big West schools can only dream of. So I think all the advantages are there for them to, you know, really kind of take hold of the league. It just uh, hasn't transpired that way yet. And now when we look at the history of the program and also some of the, the talent that has come through, obviously the game has changed. The transfer portal has made it maybe easier for kids to or student-athletes to feel like I can just go wherever I want. If I can't, I can't deal here, I can't. Um, but also that strategy of international talent that we used to have coming in. And I know going listening to the Dane Morinaga um show i mean i was there too in 2002 i was in college and i flew as a teenager 19 and i uh you know i i went to tulsa by myself and i got to see us beat tulsa but when i remember like mindagas bernica holding the trophy and like pointing at me and i was hiding by the band because i was making so much noise and just being like a total yeah hooligan but i mean that was so cool to be on top of the world and obviously having savo and carl english where i'm like two players are just like wow like these guys can play in the NBA. Like these guys are, wow. And it's like, are we? Is that still a possibility that that caliber, or is it? Maybe there are so many. There's there's also way more D1 teams now too, right? There are like probably 380 D1 teams, whatever, almost 400. So I'm not sure yeah, what could be the reason. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's you know the number of teams is ticked up steadily over time. I want to say there's about 340 right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and, and it does go up by maybe you know one or two on average. Yeah. I would say probably every year, yeah. but um, I, I wouldn't chalk it up to that because the teams that are are rising, I mean, they're, they're not instant powerhouses. Maybe True. Grand Can- Canyon would be the example of a team that's best, you mm-hmm. know, surged to mm-hmm. being a good mid-major program. But um, I would say that. You know, it's not impossible to get those guys still. Now, granted, Sabo and English were two, you know, transcendent yes. college talents that, you know, uh, kind of once in a generation kind of guys that, that they just happen to be able to pair up on one team, uh, which almost never happens to have two, two superstars like that yeah. uh, playing together. So, but, you know, guys like, I mean, shoot, you know, local talents like Julian Sensley, Bobby Nash, yeah. mm-hmm. they are rare, but they're, they're still not impossible to get. I mean, we even see right now there's some local guys who have gone off in D1 college hoops and had success. I mean, Justice Sewing Jr. Yeah. Uh, there's the yeah. kid at, at Mississippi State who yeah. played at Kahuku. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're there. I mean, and, that's true. And yes. yeah. you can still get international guys. You, you, like Coach Gannat has, has had a lot of guys come in from Australia. You know, none of them have been superstars yet, but I mean, even a guy like Jack Purchase was a serviceable Big mm-hmm. West player for you, mm-hmm. set the all time threes record. Uh, granted, he started at Auburn before coming here, but you can still, you know, there's opportunities to get guys like that. Yeah. Um, high school guys will still always be tough to get here and retain. Yeah, uh, yeah. you did have Drew Bugs for four total years. He sets the program's all-time assist record before going off to Missouri. Um, so it's not impossible, but if you, I think the JUCO route and the international route and the grad transfer route are still three ways that this team can get some really quality guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have to get them. I know it's yeah. easier said than yeah. done. I mean, well. you can't just snap your fingers and make them materialize, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are still viable avenues in my opinion. So now uh, looking ahead to this tournament, I mean, I'm sure you've been excited for the, the bracket reveal. Um, ironically, I took a nap. Like I woke up, I was like, oh my gosh, the bracket is out. Like it was like my Sunday afternoon nap or something. And like, um, it's exciting because, you know, for this year, for me, I, I, I heard Michael Wilbon say something about this too. It was just so hard to get on, the pace um, of college basketball. Um, for me, I mean, I'm very pro, fast, pro sports centric. I think more as a fan, uh, obviously without UH outside of UH. But um, I don't know. It, it's been harder to be like I saw that team play. Like usually I can be like, okay, I remember seeing them. And like this year, I'm like, uh, go to YouTube and check out highlights. But when you look at this field and just this year, um, is it? Do you still have those feelings of excitement as you you had in the past? And what are you looking forward to most about this year's tournament? Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. It's <laughs> probably, other than watching the University of Hawaii, it's probably mm-hmm. been the, the least amount of college hoops I've watched um, for as long as I can remember going <laughs> back to, you know, before my days doing it as my job. Um, shoot, I mean, just with how strange this year's been, yeah. But uh, I have been able to glean a little bit here and there. I actually just filled out a bracket for the first time before I came on your oh, show. Oh, nice. Okay. So, <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to have to get the reveal then because I did want to kind of, you know, kind of find out what your thoughts were um, because I know that this year uh, we don't have Duke. We don't have Kentucky. I mean, also Amazing. just talk about like having those – missing those teams. <laughs> it's, it's Yeah. Um, I, I mean – I was following their losses all year long, but mm. it, and then it still seemed like there was some kind of sliver of hope for Duke, you know, winning a couple games in the ACC tournament and then going out for COVID reasons mm-hmm. that they would still, by some miracle, make it to the field of 68, but uh, was not to be. And with them in Kentucky, I think both out for the first time since 1975 that they both missed in the same year. So, and then you got Michigan State and UCLA playing in one of the playing games. Yeah, uh, you know, Kansas not being quite up to its normal pedigree. I think mm-hmm. they're, they are a three seed yeah. this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, just a weird, weird year of college hoops. Uh, now, granted, Illinois and, you know, Gonzaga, I yeah. mean, I playing at another level, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to see if, if that national championship transpires. So Gonzaga, I mean, one of those teams that not only has been around for a while, is from a small town, but is it fair that we can put them in the same lens as, as Hawaii and what Hawaii is capable of if they were to commit to what Gonzaga has committed to? Because you think of a small Catholic school in Spokane and what they've grown into, Duke of the West, really. I mean, academically, they're not there, but 
they are surely there's a lot of similarities in terms of like the on-campus presence and a small community but like Boise State in football, I think to myself, wow, these schools are showing that at these smaller programs, it's possible to be even in, in basketball. Uh, but do you, um, is, is it just like Gonzaga? I mean, now having seen them from like, I don't know, I think your kids when I was about the same time watching like Richie Fromm and like these guys from Gonzaga like make a run in 99 and they're still relevant, you know? And I feel like... Um, is that creativity by on the ethics pro program or just money? Is I think it's easy to just say like build an arena, add money. But what do you think that mix or the ingredients for success at those smaller programs is? Well, I think I mean Gonzaga. You're talking about like one of the the all time just special mid major level success stories sustained for decades. Uh, you know, Mark Few right now has done just an unbelievable job of not only you know raising the expectation to the point that they are in the national championship conversation basically every year mm -hmm. uh, and none more so than this year based on how much talent they have. But they're in that conversation every year, which yeah. even the best of the best programs in, in the power five, the big 10, big 12 ACC, very rare that every year they're, they're, they're now talked about yeah. um, as having like, you know, among the probably top five teams, best mm -hmm. opportunities to win a national title. So mm -hmm. they, they are a special breed unto themselves. And um, yes, as you said, they are a small town that they're not from a, you know, a, a league with a ton of pedigree in the West coast conference. Uh, I'll be at one that's mm -hmm. uh, in more esteem than the big West, yes, but yeah, I um, totally agree as well. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, it, Hawaii would have to do something. They would have to build on success over time, over mm -hmm. decades, mm -hmm. They just haven't strung together that level of consistent success. Even when they, you know, something like make it back-to-back NCAA tournaments in the early 2000s, uh -huh. like they would have to do way more of that to get the caliber of recruits mm -hmm. out here consistently mm -hmm. to, that it would require for that kind of undertaking. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and the, the coaching staff as well. I mean, uh, there's been, you know, the, the 2010s were full of <laughs> so much turnover. It was impossible yeah. to build yeah. any kind of, you know, building blocks of consistency in that regard. So, um you know, it's not to say Hawaii can't strive for that and make that kind of its, you know, its shining star of, uh, you know, what they could maybe aspire to be. But um, it's they're just worlds apart right now. And in Gonzaga, I am going to be rooting for them. I, I'm hoping mm -hmm. they can they can bring home their first chip. So uh, with that being said, I will reveal that I am giving in again. And somebody said, I think it was like somebody ESPN was like. I'm mad because I've done this. I like fell for it again. Cause you're like, Gonzaga's <laughs> finally going to do it. They're finally going to do it. And, uh, because it's, it's like, it's like Butler, right? It's like you wanted, they had two chances, not only one, but like two chances for a tiny, yeah. small school. And you're like, your window was so small, but Gonzaga's window has been pretty large now. So you're like, okay, come on now. You got to win one. And I feel like this year, just their talent and, um, you know, like their offensive scoring abilities, they're, they're probably going to do it this year, but, um, with that being said, it sounds like you have similar possible as your champ, but talk about what, who you have in your final four in your bracket right now. Uh, well, um, let's see. The bracket I just drew up. Okay, yeah. All right. You know, I went a lot of chalk, if I'm being honest, in terms of the teams to get all the way, like, about to the Elite Eight. Mm -hmm. I did have some first and second round upsets, but mm -hmm. none that kind of endured like a you know, like a Loyola Chicago, Loyola Chicago of a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. So I do have Gonzaga uh, and Alabama on that same side of the bracket. Okay. So Gonzaga versus Alabama on one okay. side and Baylor and Illinois on the other. So I've got three okay. number one seats and one number two. So uh, you can you can accuse me of being pretty boring on that one. Okay, well, so what I have right now, and let's remind people, so Hawaii sports fans are doing a little tournament challenge on the ESPN tournament, and the link is in wherever you're listening to this or watching this on Facebook. Um, I'm looking over at mines now, and we have until Friday this year. It's weird because right, all the first four games are tomorrow, Thursday, um, and we'll have um, you know a better idea of, of the matchups because the 11 seeds will prevail. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty boring right now. So I, I'm, I'm going to change this because I also heard a stat that uh, 41% of the times the number one seed makes it to the final four. And I'm not sure if that is, you know, in the last 20 years or whatever, but 41% of the time that tells me, okay, right. So at least probably at least two will make it.
But like yourself, I currently have three number ones and one number two, which I think is so boring. Um, But Houston is actually the number two I have, and mostly for their defensive Uh, side. And only because of, um, yeah, I feel like if teams can, you know, or go cold or something, but uh, I can see them making a run. And then I had Baylor on the playing them but the texas tech is kind of i don't know i feel i've been feeling like they might make that that final from this as a six seed but now that we're looking at um you know our first four we're on the eve of those first four games and knowing that i i put this out as a tweet as well today eight our first four teams are eight uh eight for ten in first in the first round or round of 64 um so they're they and and like vcu went all the way right and there's some teams like that advance pretty far at least go two rounds and this year it's crazy because you see names like ucla and michigan state and stuff um but what are some of the are maybe 11 6 12 5 um that you're like thinking okay because i do this all the time so i'm like this is probably going to be an upset but what are some of those that you're looking at you're like (laughs) i don't know i have a good feeling about this all right. Well, I do have Santa Barbara winning a game. Okay. Okay. Wow. West. I got. I have them knocking off Creighton. Did you watch that Big West Championship? I actually didn't. Get a I, I did. Check. Yes. Uh, and they they were impressive. They really kind of you know took hold of that down the stretch and really made it theirs. Like there there was they just overpowered Irvine with their talent when it mattered. So you know credit credit to the Gauchos for sure. Yeah. Jay Billis um, was kind of high on them too but it's like Creighton yeah. it seems like so hard to pick against Creighton because they're so you know and I'd be surprised if their sixth man plays because he went down with a very, really nasty ankle injury in that Big West Championship oh. so they may be down one of their double digit guys off the bench which would would, would hurt him for sure but yeah. I still like the Gauchos starting with uh, you know Ja'Cory McLaughlin at point guard DeVerl mm-hmm. Ramsey as their other ball handler just a stellar backcourt that you don't normally see in the Big West and yeah. Amadou Sal up front and mm-hmm. uh, shoot Miles Norris their foreman just so rangy yeah. and athletic and was mm-hmm. like doing step back threes in that big west title yeah. game wow I could like all their talent was on display at once wow. and i'm like man if if this team can do that they are a threat to win at wow. least a game in the tournament wow. so um I, I have them matching up with the ohio bobcats actually in a 12 versus 13 seed oh matchup nice nice uh <laughs> I, i'm sorry uh, to virginia the, the still reigning uh you know uh titleist um from, oh yeah, from back. that 116 UMBC. <laughs> oh man, it's funny because that day um, in Spokane. Speaking of um, the third one, Hawaii was a 13 seed beating. Um, I remember after that game, after we beat Cal, like S- S- South Dakota State played and was like a high seed and won too. So it was like the magic was in the building that night or something. So if some of these places are at the same court, even though they're in different regions, they were playing at the same site, which was interesting as well um mm-hmm. so that that's for the west region what about any in the um in, let's see in, yeah um you know i like utah state i got them okay. uh, doing okay. a, a bit of a upset over texas tech 11 over six no that would be a huge because texas tech like i said i don't know there's something about texas tech too i mean i just yeah, feel, yeah. okay so utah state oh hey wow uh, Virginia Tech over Florida. That's okay. a 10 over 7. Um, Mike Young, their head coach, I think he's done some really good things there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if I had any others in some other regions. Um, I'm taking whoever comes out of Michigan State, UCLA, to uh, knock off the BYU Cougars. Uh, oh, really? Okay. That would be yep. huge. Yep. Um, I, that, may be, that may be it in terms of double-digit seeds yeah. I had yeah. advancing. It looks like it. I see, um, and, you, and you mentioned Grand Canyon as a team I got to cover in the Pac West, and I seeing their rise and seeing their name up there is kind of cool. They're going to be playing the other Luca. I love Luca in the NBA, but the <laughs> other Luca, I know, I know we're going to have two Lucas in the NBA, but the other Luca's not going to be on the same level. It's like the Mellow. Actually, you know, I'm not going to tell you about. It. I'm not going to say anything about the Mellow Mellow thing because Lamelo is pretty freaking good now and showing up there but i don't know if luca can give up the luca to luca garza um but iowa plays grand canyon i don't, I don't know it's going to be hard to see like a 116 uh to 15 but you, you i guess you never know and especially with covid um you know we we have a possibility of guys sitting out and i know some teams already have guys out um but it's going to be crazy it's going to be really crazy um uh, but ultimately you know i i the best part is all of us get a chance to watch all the games. How are you planning on uh, watching this year on on your phone, or are you gonna have the TV running or multiple screens? What do you usually do? Um, well, 
uh, I'm lucky enough to be working from home, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to have my TV up and then maybe my computer screen streaming if I can get that going, um, kind of almost next to each other and maybe a laptop up streaming as well for good measure uh, while I'm working remotely. Yeah. See if I can stay focused. Uh, don't, tell, <laughs> don't tell my boss. But, uh, yeah, that, I think we're the, all going to be doing plan. the same thing. I know they have that boss button if you ever need to use it, right? On the the March Madness app where like a, a, like a generic Excel spreadsheet pops up or something. So That's pretty funny. If you ever need that, uh, you know, that parachute to, to let go of, um, there you go. But uh, Brian McInnes, mahalo for joining. Um, and uh, we're excited to see what you have coming up in store. I know you said Pacific Business. They can catch you, your articles there. Also your Chord Sense podcast. And it's great. Yes, it's a great conversation. I enjoy listening to it. Um, I enjoy... Um, I think you're pacing, and I've, I learned a lot too in, in my now in my podcasting journey and being able to you know implement some of those things. So, thanks for that, and uh, let's hopefully have you back again soon. Mahalo. That was my pleasure, Wayne. Thanks a lot, man.